This, 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 Welcome to podcast episode number 821. We are the Fight Disciples. This is your boxing review slash preview uh, for the final, I'll say final week of the year. It's not really the final week of the year because we've got some boxing coming up on December the 26th, but we're building up towards December the 23rd and we'll have a look back at what happened uh, at the weekend in Arizona. Before we get stuck into it, please uh, subscribe to us. You can do it via our website, fightdisciples.com. And you can also check us out visually on YouTube. Fight Disciples is where we are right there. Apologies that this podcast has come to you slightly slightly late. As you know, we were in Vegas last week uh, for the UFC. Bit of travel delay all over the place. Didn't get in until really late on Monday evening. But first thing Tuesday, we're up and about. A little bit froggy-throated. Um, <coughs> hey, right on cue, Nick. Well done, son. Yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, well. Ready to uh, bring you... Uh, a bit of boxing and obviously a bit of MMA podcast action as well. So there'll be two podcasts available for you today. Are you feeling sun? Feeling bright eyed and bushy tailed? Oh, I'm feeling rough as toast. Mm. Rough as toast. Got as you say, we got in late last night. By the time everybody went to bed, I stayed up and watched the uh, the Sunny Edwards card from Arizona, which I'd only seen clips of. Uh, and then this morning, I was up bright and shiny. My wife asked me to t- drop her car off to get its full service. Yeah. No sympathy. No, no sympathy. No sympathy. You've been away for a week, son. Go on, back to it. Pitch black. I'm driving the car through across Liverpool to drop it off. Then I had to wait for a taxi to pick me up because I was fucked if I was walking to a train station. So I was sitting on the uh, I was sitting in the back of a taxi watching Josh Kelly this morning as well. So yeah, I'm fully caught up with the boxing from the weekend, but uh, I still don't quite know what day it is. So yeah, there we go. I can't Stop. stop eating toast. I can't stop eating toast. That's the yeah. name of the. That's the name of the podcast. That's the name. That's the title of today's show. I can't stop eating toast, mate. Jesus. Funny. On the school on this morning, a couple of parents obviously knew that I'd been away over the last week uh, covering the UFC, and they started talking to me a little bit about Leon and all that type of stuff. But uh, one of them looked at me and went, "Vegas is taking you, it. Vegas is taking you." He just looked me in the eyes and he went, "Vegas is taking you," and I went. Yeah. Brother, you're gonna have to give See me. You a, you're gonna have to give me till at least Thursday to be to be back in this game. <laughs> the one yeah. and only Las Vegas. I'm sure everybody's had them experiences who's uh, ever followed a fight, whether it be boxing or MMA, to uh, to that city. If you've done a full week there, oof, yeah. Tell you, you ready for Christmas? You ready for a week off and all that? Hey, David Goggins Hell Week has got nothing on a week in Vegas. Let me I'm tell you. you. Proper you. job, proper job. Uh, but all in all, uh, a good week away and a good week to be on uh, uh, American time zones, especially with the main boxing uh, taking place uh, over in uh, over in Arizona as well. So it was nice just to flick in between certain bits that was going on in that card. Of course, the full attention was with the MMA. Uh, but in the aftermath, managed to uh, have a little bit of a nosy in on Sonny Edwards and Bam Rodriguez. Now, of course, we said in the preview last week, when... Um, certain fights are made, you kind of, even even when they're super fights, you kind of have an inclination as to how something is going to play out. I had no idea how it was going to play out at the weekend because nope. I thought that these two were so evenly matched. Um, one of the, one of the, the, the things that I said in the, in the build up to it is that 
a lot of people would look at this and say this is a classic Bull versus Matador matchup. But the only thing is, is that Bull can dance as well. And boy, did he prove that at the weekend. Jesse Rodriguez is an absolute superstar. He's already exceeded a lot of our expectations at his young age, jumping up and jumping up weights, becoming world champion, beating legends of the sport. But this was the one, this was the real test. You're taking on another fighter in your prime, probably in your proper weight division as well. And it's a real challenge to see if you can navigate and come up with the answers to the puzzle that so many have failed to come up with against Sonny Edwards. And he absolutely came up with all the answers. Maybe Sonny played his part in giving him some of those answers, of which we'll get to in a minute, but you don't want to take anything away from Jesse Rodriguez. He was superb and has announced himself now as a major, major star. Well, he's the best flyweight on the planet. That's what was at stake at the weekend, absolutely. And, you know, he's had he's been a superstar already, obviously. Was it last year, the year before, when he jumped up and down weight divisions and, you know, shocked the world by winning. He went from light fly up to super fly and back down to flyweight again, beating, uh, you know, some massive names. So 2022 was his year, but he's come back down to flyweight in 2023. He's... Won, back, won that WBO belt and now obviously it's just unified against Sonny Edwards. I, I thought Bam was absolutely outstanding. He brought everything to the ring that I expected him to bring. And to be honest, in, in a lot of ways, a lot of times in the fight, Sonny brought exactly what I expected Sonny to bring. Sonny is a sensational boxer. He has got massive stones. He can throw with anybody. I just think, for me, the tactics worked until they didn't. The tactics worked early on because it threw Bam off. Threw Bam off that Sonny was planting his feet and throwing big shots in, in in range. And for three or four rounds, I think after three rounds, Sonny's winning the fight. And after four rounds, you know, probably give the fourth back to Bam. So after four rounds, I've got it two level. Piece. Yeah, it's two yeah, yeah, I've got a two-piece. And I'm, you know, obviously I knew the result, unfortunately, but I'm watching the fight and I've gone, okay, up until this point, it's worked. Because it's thrown him off because Bam's like, what the fuck is this guy doing? But by the time it got to the fifth round, I think you visibly see Bam Rod Jesse Rodriguez go, This motherfucker's gonna try to beat me at my own game. Okay, you want to do this? Let's do this then. I'll take one off you to land one off me, because I know I've got the power, you haven't. And that was the moment the fight switched. And for me, that was the moment when Sonny should have gone. Right, okay, you're here now. That's where I wanted you to be. This is I wanted you to be the bam, plant his yeah. feet, throw bombs, think this is not a dance, this is a bullfight. Right, now I dance and threw Bam off again. That's what I would love Sonny to have done. I don't know whether that was the game plan. I'm not privy to that information, but Sonny didn't. He continued to do what he'd done from the beginning. And I yeah. get it, shocking all tactics, man. It's like Tyson Fury going in and going toe-to-toe and bullying Deontay Wilder. Completely and utterly threw him off in the second fight. Wilder did not see that coming. Bam did not see Sonny planting his feet and throwing with him in the first four or five rounds. But once he worked out it was happening, he was like, fucking gravy, mate. This is my game. And that's when I think Sonny should have gone back to being Sonny Edwards then. He didn't. And ultimately, the ending was almost inevitable. When you stand and bang with a puncher, and you're not a puncher, and Sonny isn't a puncher, then the outcome, unfortunately, is always going to be the outcome. Sonny had flashes, had some real good moments, real good moments. But whenever Jesse Bam Rodriguez landed, Sonny wore it on his face. Whenever Sonny landed clean, and he landed loads of clean shots, Bam just ate them up and kept moving forward. Yeah. When you're watching it for the first time and you don't know the result, you, you think after about round four... 
I kept remember saying to I remember saying to the TV screen when I was watching it, going, "This is not a match or test. You don't have to show how big your bollocks are. People know what the score is. They know. Get on your back foot and dance and go and do Sonny Edwards things." That's what I was saying in in the in the moment. Now afterwards, when we we hear that obviously Sonny has his orbital bone uh, beaten up, and that therefore was early as well. Yeah, it's but bad. he but, but he says that he he was he had double vision. He couldn't see properly. I, I just think to myself that he then made a conscious decision that he couldn't do what he normally does in the fight. He couldn't get on the back foot. He couldn't, he didn't trust himself in order to be that elusive, to get out of the way. Because if you're seeing three of the bull coming at you, you're going, fucking hell, which one is it, right? Do you just hit the one in the middle and then dance to the side? You might dance into the wrong thing. So I think he was second guessing himself to be able to do his original game plan. I think you're right in what you're saying. I think the original thing was, right, I've got to give him something different to think about in the first four to five rounds, which he did, absolutely nailed that. And then I think that the plan would have been, right, I'm going to put, I want him in my game because in my game, I'll beat him. Mm-hmm. And I still believe that. I still believe that in that game, Sonny Edwards would beat him, but he just couldn't get back to his game because of the damage that he'd already, uh, that, that had been inflicted in that first and four, uh, four and five rounds. And then from that point onwards, it was a one-sided fight in my, in my opinion. I thought Jesse Rodriguez was absolutely tremendous through five to nine when he ended up getting stopped. Yeah. Um, uh, he just couldn't get on that back foot with Sonny. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I, I'm not going to, dog out on him. I'm not going to say, ah, or anything like that, like the majority of uh, some fans will do. At the end of the day, you take a big risk. This was a big yeah. risk. This was as good as it's going to get. Big unification. The two premier guys in this division. This is what we want more of. I can't wait to see, obviously after he's rested and recovered and got himself fit and healthy, I can't wait to see what uh, Sonny Edwards does next. See uh, see uh, whether he plays about in weight or whether he stays in this weight division to see if he can win another world championship. And from Van Rodriguez's point of view, you think to yourself, Jesus, man, where the hell is this going? You're the guy at fly. You've already done it at Superfly. Do you want to go up? Do you want to go and play with them Superflies and have a little bit of a go up there? Such an exciting fight. It delivered on every single level for me. Yeah. Um, and a pat on the back to both of the fellas and the promoter to putting it on for us. Yeah, listen, it was a fight that, you know, Sonny maintains that he's been chasing for a long time, that Bam maintains that he's wanted for a long time. We finally got it. This is what boxing, you know, not to repeat ourselves, but this is how good boxing can be. When two unbeaten fighters, two world champions, put it all on the line in a big unification fight, this is what boxing needs to continue to deliver every single month because when it happens, we get fantastic fights and we get magnificent performances. For for Bam Rodriguez... Absolutely sensational performance. Brilliant. Everything I expected and more. He was switched on. It was his A game. I believe if Sonny brings his A game, he might have been able to pose different questions. But I just think tactically, it just it just felt a little bit wrong. But listen, I, I remember we were we were obviously cage side in Las Vegas and we we caught the clip of the finish, the the end of the ninth round or the end yeah. of the eighth rounds when they pull him out of the corner and we've seen him lean in and speak to Grant. And I remember turning to you in Vegas and saying, oh no, I think Sonny's just spewed it. And you were like, Sonny, I can't see that. And we kind of had a weird conversation, but we couldn't really take it in. Obviously that was something I was keen to see, but obviously in the replay, I seen that at the end of the the seventh round, um, that Grant had spoken to Sonny and was like, listen, you know, I'm going to pull you out of there. And there was a conversation and he wasn't happy with the amount of shots that Sonny was taking. He wasn't happy with the state of, of Sonny's eye. Um, and Sonny had convinced, basically said, no, nah, man, come on, I'm all good. Let me let me throw something at it. And I think Sonny's done a social media post yeah. uh, along those lines and obviously gets dropped heavy in that eighth round, goes back to the corner. And that leaning and that conversation, which at the time looked like 
get me out of ad enough was actually Sonny saying to Grant, well, I can't even see now. Uh, so they've made, listen, they've made absolutely the right decision. Sonny went in there and put his fucking balls on the line and he went for it. He dared to be great and he came up short. Sometimes that happens in sports. Sometimes yep. when you dare to be great, you come up short. Now it's about the bounce back. Now it's about having six months off, coming back and reevaluating and going, okay, let's go again then. Let's go again in this division and let's, you know, put the vintage Sonny Edwards back out there. I know he'll bounce back. I know he'll be back and I know he'll win a lot more fights. It was just a shame that on the night, it looked like they got it so right. And then when it was time to move, it just didn't feel like they were able to or 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 the plan wasn't to move. Again, I'm not privy yeah. to what it was. But but but, but as, as well as that, it's like what we said last week, mate. You know, Bull Matador, but the Bull has got really good feet. He cuts yeah, of that ring off so, so well. So like... Sonny was probably in his head thinking, right, I can get out the back door here and out the sides. And then you think to yeah. yourself, oh, hang on a minute, this motherfucker's whacking me hard as fuck. He's quick. And he's quick and he's, his lateral movement's really, really good. It's just at the end of the day, you came up against the better guy. Bad Rodriguez Absolutely. is the nuts. Yeah. So exciting as well. That amount of power yeah. at that weight division with that amount of speed, it's going to take something to stop him, man. It's going to take yeah. something. Absolutely. Absolutely. One, one thing I will say I was disappointed about, and that was... Um... I was, I was glad that Barry Jones was on the commentary. You know, I, I'm a huge fan of Barry Jones on commentary, but the commentary's reaction when Sonny got dropped and they were just screaming down, oh, he's down for the first time in his career. I'm like, mate. No, he's not. It takes two seconds to do a little bit of fucking research before you call a world title fight. It's your job Who was to know the careers of the fucking two fighters involved and know in and out. Sonny Edwards has been down multiple times in his career. So to scream that just that just pissed me off in the moment because I'm like you fucking you've got one job, dickhead, and that is in the main event at least. Okay, I can I can pass it off if some kid on the undercard that you've literally Never read his of. name for the first time. When you've got two undisputed world champions in a in a unification world title fight, you've got one job: research both of their careers and know where their strengths and weaknesses are. To suddenly start screaming he's down for the first time in his career as a viewer. Took something away from me because I'm like, who the fuck is this clown? Anyway, regardless. Uh, yeah. Mate, how many times have I told you? Sound off. Sound I only had it on because I knew Barry Jones was on it. And I'm a bit, I love Barry Jones. I'm a big fan of Barry Jones. And I was like, yeah, you've done the right thing here. Don't just give it to an American audience, you know, an American commentary team and everything. Put a Brit on the mic as well so we can really not defend Sonny Edwards, but. Have a bit yeah, more. Yeah, I bet you Barry Jones went, like rolled his eyes when the Americans screaming that you know fucking ah, what? Jesus. Anyway, regardless, it was Bam's night. Bam yeah. was sensational. The fight was sensational. If Eddie's watching and I know he does, please more of these big fights, more of these unifications in 2024. This is how bo good boxing can always be. Yeah. Shame for Peter McGrail, mate. Oh mate, that was devastating. He was good. He was he was, he dropped his opponent on a couple of on a couple of occasions. I thought, hey, this is really he was good. Flying. He's going he through the rounds. Yeah, did so well, and then all of a sudden, that's the beauty of boxing. You know, sometimes that's there's no other sport that can do that where you can yeah. be so far ahead and then just one moment flips it on its head. You can't so, you can't be four 0 down. The opposing team score a goal in the last minute, and then the opposing team win. That just doesn't happen. That's what happened. That's what, this is what fight sports is. You could be so far ahead. And then all of a sudden, one shot changes the whole game. And that's what happened on Peter McGrail. He got iced big time. Yeah. Mate, he was he'd won four rounds and stood the kid on his head. 
Dropped yeah. him in the second. Dropped him in the fourth. Absolutely cruising to a big to a big win. Um, and he just got caught. He got caught in that split second. He didn't see the shot coming. Pushed the kid into the corner. Started unloading. Just stood there and admired his shot for a second too long. Got caught square. Swallowed the right hand that he didn't see coming over the top. And that was it. And, you know, that's unfortunate. That's what happens sometimes when you face punches. They're at the most risky and they're at the most dangerous. Mm. When the back's against the wall, when they've been on the floor a few times and when they're, like, just swinging and open. And that's not to take something away from Jericho O'Quinn. But it's more of a fight. The fight was done. Let's be honest. It's more of a McGrail mistake. Of course. Than an O'Quinn set up and bang. It's more of a McGrail mistake, that knockout. Of course. Absolutely. So, yeah, gutter for, for Peter, especially after their Joe had scored an absolutely yeah. sensational body shot, left up to the body bomb, Ricky Atten style, stole a kid's soul earlier on on the card as well. So, yeah, bittersweet weekend for the McGrail boys, I'm afraid. Yeah. Uh, before we bring this back to the UK and uh, and Josh Kelly, uh, just a quick one from Minnesota, Jose Villanazuela in the rematch with Chris Colbert. If you remember this, it was a bit of a controversial one. We had a lot of 95-94s in the original fight that went Chris Colbert's way. Lots of people thought that Valenzuela did enough in that particular fight to get it. So they rematched it. Fair play for them both getting in there. Well, there was absolutely no doubt in this rematch because uh, Jose Valenzuela was sensational from start to finish, completely outboxing uh, Chris Colbert and then landing an absolute howitzer of a, of a knockout finish. I think it was in the sixth. Fifth or sixth round. It was a beauty. It's a knockout of the year contender. If you haven't seen it, definitely go and check it out. That's from Minnesota. Also on that card, David Morell did the David Morell things. Uh, won incredibly easy. And then one fight that I actually thought that you were going to highlight for Obscure Fight of the Week. We had Robert Guerrero against Andre Berto. That's right. The lads that have been there, done it, got the T-shirt. They went at it and had a little bit of a throwdown well into the 40s now. And it was Guerrero that came out with a unanimous points decision victory. Hell of a knockout that from uh, Jose Valenzuela, wasn't it? It was, yeah. I only seen a clip of it. I didn't see the actual fight, but uh, but yeah, it was a chilling knockout. Just like to be fair, we're just coming back to uh, the Sonny Edwards card in Arizona as well in the chief support. MJ Akhmadaliev yeah. bounced back from his first career defeat, which you know was controversial at split decision again in his own unification world title fight. Came back and nailed Kevin Gonzalez uh, after a bit of a slow start. He looked tremendous as well. So yeah, some big finishes at the weekend. Not as big as the knockout we got in the UFC. Um, and potentially not as big as Josh Kelly's phantom uppercut from Sunderland. Well, we'll come on to well, that in a second. Listen, stop skating over it. Stop. I know you don't want me to speak about it, but I'm going to. I'm going to mention it. And I know that every single fight is happening to roll their eyes right now. Yeah. Friday night, Jake Paul delivered a knockout against a boxer in the mm. first round of a fight that is that should rightfully now have people talking. Can he actually do a bit at a certain level? At a certain level, we know that maybe this is not going to get to the levels <laughs> that he's been telling you it's going to get to, i.e., Canelo. But Andre August had a 10 and 1 professional boxing record going into that fight, more than capable, decent boxer. All right, he might not have knockout power, but he's decent. And Jake Paul, in what is it, his eighth fight, something like that, I don't know, delivered. And when you look at that knockout, technically, there's nothing to complain about. It's a beautiful knockout. Really, really good shot. You've got to give him his props. When he delivers the shit, you've got to give him his props. We're obviously high on Jake Paul from a promoter point of view. All the great things that he's doing with Amanda Serrano. We applaud him for that. Yes, we've dogged him out going, what the fuck are you doing fighting this dude, this dude, this dude, and this dude? He pushes Tommy Fury. We knew that it was an even matchup of a level. 
this I'm gonna give him a, I'm gonna give him a little bit of a high five there, man. That's a good performance. Well done, lad. Well, that, that this is a the type of level he's at, you know. He's, he's well done, not a novice cruiserweight level. I'd be careful about putting that many steroids into my system if I was him because he's gonna end up a heavyweight if he's not careful. Look at you, but yeah, listen, I thought the finish was you I can't throw was wild accusations around, young man. I mean, he was like fucking 11 pound heavier than he's ever been before. He was like muscle on muscle on muscle. Come on, come on, Jesus Christ. But listen, if you want to, if you want to drop the show down to a certain level of. No. You know, boxing sound. Yeah, great. Listen, kid does no, it. He does I, it under I'm just pressure. giving it a tip of the cap. That's all I'm doing. Just there you go. I think, well I think the other thing to mention, then, if we're going to bring it up, is that it was the venue was half empty, and it's not. I don't think he's quite the the uh, the attraction he was before. I think the I think uh, I think it's because he didn't know who Andre August was, mate. I think Tommy Fury's also exposed the fact that you know. Any talk of Canelo and that nonsense is just ridiculous. I tell you where it was bouncing though, and Sunderland. I had, get I had up to Sunderland. Get, they put a fun, they put a finger in my eye. The beacon of light in Sunderland yes. was absolutely fucking bouncing yes. for Josh Kelly. Now I maintain it's because there's nothing else to do in Sunderland. Sure, so up. why are you dogging out down? on Sunderland? Stop doing it. Just give them credit. They came out for a party. It was tremendous the atmosphere looked unbelievable yeah. i'll be honest i didn't watch the entire card because i just seen this plethora of six round points decisions i went straight in yeah. for josh kelly but so. it looked rammed i don't know how many get in the beacon of light for venue i don't think i've ever been there but it looked rammed the atmosphere was sound they were all singing and dancing about josh kelly and i was like yeah man this is what on last week's show we were like could he do a chris billam smith is this like his little you know, fortress where he could build something quite special. Well, yeah. after watching that, listen, Ramirez was of a certain level, but after watching that and watching the support and hearing them sing, there's only one Josh Kelly and all that stuff. I'm like that, this, this venue, this local buildup could be the key to getting Josh Kelly to complete, absolutely finally realize his talent. Cause there's no doubt in the talents. He just needed the right platform to build from. I think um... he dared to have a go. He went to a certain level. A level that for me was beyond his capacity at that time. He got found out. He's had to come back the hard way, both psychologically, personally, and also promotionally. He got kicked to the gutter, surprisingly. But he's at, he's rebuilt. And you know what? This could be the a real the right platform for him to do something quite special. Mate, I completely agree. And the thing that you just said there about at the right time, Avanesian was ahead of the time, but Sometimes you've got to have a go, aren't you, to find out what's what. You need to go and find out what the level is right now. And yeah. I think that's where Josh was at at that time. You know, Adam Booth backed him. He backed himself. They went in there. They found out because I've assumed was absolutely no joke. And sometimes you need that reality check in life. Everybody yeah. needs that little check sometimes just to check the ego, check the, just, just check your own self-conscious at that particular time. He's gone away. And as you've rightfully said, he's had loads of different things going on in his personal life. But now he seems that maturity level has just gone up a touch. He's not fucking about as much in the ring. Don't get me wrong. There's still pretty boy Kelly there. He gives yeah. you a little bit of showboating every now and again. But it's not daft. It's calculated. It's at, it's at the right time. The finish in this fight is beautiful, mate. The way that he's half step back, bite on the fence. Half step back, bite on the fence. Half step back, bites on the fence. Throws the uppercut. Bang. See you, son. And let's be straight, he must have hit him that hard 
Ramirez just went, I don't fancy fucking dancing with this for another, what, yeah. what seven or eight rounds or whatever. It, it were in third round, weren't it? First yeah. two rounds, I thought Josh looked really good. Slick, bang, bang, mm-hmm. beautiful out the back door. A couple of nice shots in there. But that finish was a thing of real art and a real, real beauty. You should be proud of that because that's a late replacement opponent that came in. Yeah. So he was training for someone else. Late replacement opponent, and that dude can really whack. He's got a good high percentage knockout ratio as uh, Placido Ramirez. So there was a lot of danger, a lot of jeopardy in that fight. Josh stayed switched on, and he delivered a very, very cold performance. Really good stuff from him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think from a Josh Kelly point of view, it was faultless. And from a promotion point of view, I think they're onto something with Sunderland, as I say. All positives. I thought Ramirez... He'd already been on the canvas twice, which was rightly called a slip by John Latham. But I'm like, yeah. what, what are you, you know, what are you looking for? What are you, what are you looking for? He didn't really get anything going, and he kind of warmed to it in the second round. But he looked a little bit easy to go down to me. And then the uppercut <clears throat> wasn't the cleanest uppercut in the world. It just clipped him, just caught, just caught enough of Ramirez for him to go, fuck, that's real power. Yeah, he didn't, didn't want to hit know. Him, didn't hit him and chattered his teeth. Didn't hit him and like fucking out what day is it? I'm gone. No. Just there was enough of a clip on his face for Ramirez to go, fuck me, I've dodged, I've dodged a bullet there that would have yeah. iced me. I'll go down, and my conscious decision here is I ain't getting back up there because he's just gonna nail me now. Correct. So it was a conscious decision, quit on the floor. But you know what? That capacity crowd inside the beacon of light in Sunderland, one of my favorite cities, they didn't care. <laughs> they didn't care that Ramirez spewed it. They knew it was party time. Yeah. You know what? I'm delighted for Josh Kelly. I really yeah. am because he's a lovely kid. And he has, he has. If he, if he would have walked away from boxing like he like he said he contemplated, mm. um, not long after the Avanessian fight, it would have been a real shame, because he's got so much talent and so much ability that for him not to get beyond domestic level uh, would be a real shame on his career. He's on that was only what seventeenth fight or whatever. Yeah, yeah. There's loads to come from Josh Kelly, yet, and I'm excited for him in 2024. He seems to be the jewel in the crown of the of the Salon. Sowland's real boxing division, not the Bollocks, <laughs> but the real boxing division. Yeah. This guy's the jewel in the crown. And the other jewel in the crown is Eubank. Make the fight. Make Josh Kelly versus. If Eubank ain't going to do Connor Ben, which is great because Connor Ben shouldn't be boxing anyone until he gets cleared. Yeah. Do Josh Kelly versus Eubank, man. It's a super fight. It's the only super fight that the Sowlands have in house. Well, yeah. that, did you not see that tweet from uh, Eubank? That's, that came across really, really weird that he's accepted and said, and given the old, let's go for it against Yanni Beck, because he's the number one with the WBO. And we've been saying, is he going to do it? Is he not going to do it? Mm, Yanni Beck is absolutely the guy. Chris has come out publicly and said, I've said I want Yanni Beck. I've said I'm going to do it. Go and make the deal. And then on the TV at the weekend, if you remember, um, and again, I've only got this off, a cl- off the clips that, uh, that went around afterwards. Um, his promoters and promotional team are on TV saying, yeah, we're going to go down the IBO route. I'm like, eh? you're not on the same page as your fighter. Your fighter's publicly saying that he wants to go WBO. Maybe you've got it wrong. Maybe maybe you've got your letter wrong or something. But the, the fighter's saying, no, I've agreed to WBO. And the, and the promoter's saying IBO. That's just, it seems a little bit of a mess, what? that, mate. Why why would he go back down the IBO route? Listen, who, he's number one with the WBO. Con- exactly. Let's go. Who consciously goes down the IBO route? Nobody is nobody is carrying an IBO belt stating, stating, look at me, I'm a world champion. It's not a real belt. Yeah. So, anyway. And I think, 
Listen, listen, if Chris Eubank Jr. fights Johnny Beck, I'm all in on it, mate. I'm right behind him. I think it's a tough task. I think it's a really tough fight for him. But it's a fuck legit it. world title. You want to be a world champion? Go and fight the best guy. Let's go and find out what the crack is. You know what I mean? Exactly. And he's got options coming back anyway. As I say, yes. this in-house big fight with Josh Kelly. That's in a massive domestic Mate, fight. If he, if he wants to make... Go and fight Yanni Beck. If you fall short, nobody's going to dog you out for that sound. No you yeah. want to come back? You want to go and do... You can either do Josh Kelly in Sunderland. You can do Nathan Heaney in Stockport. Yep. Uh, Stockport, that's my... Stop. <laughs> Go do it in start. Nathan Heaney's going, eh? What? I'm not from your neck of the woods. <laughs> well, I'm going to start going on? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nathan Heaney in Stoke. Listen, yeah. and that fight that listen needs a license, let's be straight. There's always that. Go and do the Yannick. The... Get the Yannick Beck fight. Go and do it. Exactly. Lad. Go and have a go. Shoot for the moon, kid. Go for it. Absolutely. <clears throat> uh, that was your boxing at the weekend just gone. All good. Um, and it just keeps delivering week after week. Well done to Bam and Sonny for putting on this big unification that we all wanted to see. At the start of the year, it was on my dream bucket list of fights that I wanted to see in 2023. They delivered, and the fight itself delivered as well. Not all, mm -hmm. we didn't, Okay, we might not have got a, a, you know, a, a sensational back and forth like we all dreamed of, but what we did get is the rising of a real star uh, yeah. and, a, and a person now that can, uh, can really push on uh, in those pound-for-pound -pound rankings. Uh, Jesse Bam Rodriguez is, is something agree. very, very special. Uh, this week, all eyes on Saudi Arabia. And they've started, haven't they? Like on the plane on the way home yesterday, I was having a little bit of a look in on the old social media and look who's there. Yeah. Your favourite. And I am, we're going to have to speak about him, even though you don't want to speak about him. Your favourite's there and he's causing absolute murders with everybody in the, uh, in the hotel. He's calling out Joshua, calling out Dubois. Well, he's fighting Dubois, so he's giving Dubois a lot of shit. He's giving Wilder shit. He's giving everybody oh, shit. Big juicy. Big juicy. Your, your mate, the big baby himself. We'll get to him in a minute, right? Because he's not the most important thing on this uh, on this card. Nope. The most important thing on this card are the two fights right at the top of the bill. Uh, Anthony Joshua taking on Otto Wallen. And you've got Deontay Wilder taking on Joseph Parker. Uh, we'll start with AJ first and foremost. It's in a couple of little bits of media we had here, one of which you you uh, brought it up a couple of weeks ago, the uh, Louis Theroux conversation. I've seen a conversation that he had uh, with Woodsy, Laura Woods. Um, I've seen little bits. And AJ, I'm not, if I'm dead honest, I'm not learning anything new from him, right? No. And what mm -hmm. I am, what I am doing, and this is what I like about AJ, he does seem to keep it. 100. It does seem to keep it quite legit, straight down the middle. Consistent is the word I'm going to use for him. Because although all these people in and around AJ will tell you, yeah, we're going to be doing AJ Wilder. We're going to be doing AJ Wilder. AJ Wilder set for this date, set for this date. You don't really see him coming out talking about that particular fight. What you see him talking about is, I want to be a three-time heavyweight world champion. And he proactively mentions in the conversation that he has with Laura about IBF. He's constantly mentioning it. And obviously the IBF uh, mandated challenger, Mr. Hergovic, is also on this bill. Uh, Otto Wallin, if that title became vacant, would be the other challenger for that IBF uh, championship after Fury Usyk do their dance. Uh, so Anthony Joshua is just putting himself in prime position for that IBF challenge should that arise in 2024. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the path that he will go down. I personally think this is a really hard night's work for him. Yeah. The old Anthony Joshua, I think, would stop Otto Allen. 
I don't know what this version of Anthony Joshua will do with him. Otto Valens tails up, full of confidence. He's just coming off the back of a great victory against Murat Gassiev. Okay, Gassiev is a lot smaller than Joshua. Sure. But he'll come in here, horrible southpaw, really, really confident with what he's been doing recently. And he'll fancy it. He's been in with Joshua before, the old version of Joshua. He knows what he's all about. And he thinks that he can do him psychologically. And I would not be surprised. And this is going to sound horrible. I would not be surprised if Otto Wallen beats him. Yeah. Uh, listen, I, I, you know how I feel about Otto Wallen, especially after that last last performance. I dialed into that last performance. And um, he looked great. And he was on a away, away soil then. Um, before I get stuck in, I want to say congratulations to Mr. Turkey. Because that fucking promo, the zombie theme promo, was absolutely the dog's bollocks. Like, if this is part of the Saudi getting involved in heavyweight boxing scene, because we've seen some kick-ass promos so far. How much are they spending? How much are they spending? Like, that's Spielberg shit. That's like, you've got Spielberg in making fucking boxing promos. That zombie video is absolutely unbelievable. And at first we've seen it. I showed you a mic when we were away and you were like, fucking hell, a CGI in that involved is amazing. AI. Yeah, they've gone full the AI, AI on that. AI, the AI involved there is, that's unbelievable. I didn't realise AI could be that good. And then it was only afterwards we seen that everyone in, in makeup and filming, yeah. they were like, that, yeah. ain't, that ain't AI, mate. They booked everybody out for a couple of days filming there and pieced it all together, Hollywood style. It's absolutely nothing short of incredible, incredible. And again, we, we said this when they had the press conference, and I want to reiterate it now. Just a reminder of what we've been moaning about for seven years. We want bigger fights. We want the big fights to happen when they're supposed to happen. We want the networks to come together. We want everybody to be pushing in the right the direction of, let's make boxing great again. You can tell I've been around Trump this week. Let's make <laughs> boxing great again. How do we do that? Well, the f- job number one is, Get all these promoters and all their egos to fucking leave it at the door and come f- come together for the good of boxing. How'd you do that, Nick? And there's only one thing, the only one way that happens. There's only one way that happens, and that's if a nation state come along and put more money in a fucking truck than any of these guys have ever seen before. And that's how you get matchroom boxing, Queensbury boxing, top rank boxing, Wasserman boxing, SSE sports. Demetrius Salita bot promotions. That's how you get seven of the world's leading boxing promoters all under one roof, all pulling together, all singing from the same song sheet on one card. It has taken the finances of the Saudis to make it happen, but I believe we're going in the right direction. And you know what? I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be pessimistic. I'm going to be optimistic. I believe this is a shootout. If what if if Joshua comes through, if Wilder comes through, I accept nothing else. You can't then sugarcoat me with something else. Mr. Turkey then can't go, well, actually, Nick, I know we did say it was a shootout, but actually what we're going to do is Joshua's going to fight Hergovic, who knocked over that 80-year-old man. So we're going to do that at IBF because we're going to strip that out of the unification fight that we're just about to give him in February. We're going to take that out. Nah, man, that, that ain't what, as, as far as I can consider, the Saudi Arabians led by Mr. Turkey are going to give us. They're going, right, the biggest fights possible in the heavyweight division, that's what we're paying for, and that's what we're going to get. So I, I believe if Joshua comes through, if Wilder comes through, there's no other option. Don't then be going, well, we're going to do Hegovic because of this. No, nah, man. No, 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 no. 
if AJ beats Wallen, and I believe if he beats Wallen, it'll be by knockout. That's enough of I need to see. Right, let's do Wilder. Let's do the fight. And it's a massive fight. Massive. Oh, yeah, AJ versus Hergovic. I couldn't give a rat's ass, man. But Joshua versus Wilder. AJ versus Wilder. That is a fucking massive, massive fight. Of course it is. Listen, you've got to be optimistic. Because Mr. because Mr. Turkey, like as you keep referring to him as, has this big pot of cash. And everybody knows that if you can satisfy ego and greed, people will do fucking anything for it. So therefore, they'll, fingers crossed they can get that fight for us in 2024. I was just merely highlighting what Mr. Joshua has been saying. His personal goals and ambitions are trying to become the three-time heavyweight champion of the world. In order to do that, I was highlighting the route that would be available for him in beating Otto Wallen. Yeah. Does he beat Otto Wallen? Well, that's the million-dollar question. And again, Otto Wallen's, you know, 27 fights into his career. His one defeat probably should have been a win. You know, I think I think anyone, we were ringside enough for that fight, but anybody who watched that fight with Tyson Fury back in 2019 in Las Vegas knows that anywhere but Las Vegas and anyone but top rank who have a very strong control over what goes on in and around the ring because of their, their place in the sport. That, yeah, he required 47 stitches on a cut that happened mid-fight. The fact that he was allowed to get to the end of the fight is absolutely bonkers. Listen, I'm a Tyson Fury fan, so, of course, I'm, I'm glad it did. I'm glad he did hold on to his unbeaten record. But if you're Otto Wallen, you come away going, okay, sound. I'll rebuild from that. And he has rebuilt. Smashed up Travis Kausman. Toe-to-toe with Dominic Brazil. You know, he's had some good wins in the US. And that led, of course, to the Gassiev fight, which took place... In Turkey, I think it was. Gassiev being a German Turk. Took place there. Big fight. This was Gassiev's big move into the heavyweight division after falling short for the cruiserweight unification against Usyk. This was him lighting the touch paper on his career. And I tell you what, ignore the scorecards. One of those scorecards was one of the worst scorecards of the year. Otto Wallen boxed the Z off. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Otto Wallen comes into this fight. I know Eddie keeps saying, oh, he's got the lottery ticket. He's got the lottery ticket. We've we've handed him a lottery ticket. You've gone after him because you want that IBF spot. That's what you've gone after him for. Otto Wallen is no soft touch. And if, nope. if, if, if the AJ that we've seen most recently kind of turns up, like some of the performances from AJ recently, if he turns up like that, maybe not Robert Hellenus. I like, I like them against Robert Hellenus. He looks, but against Jermaine Franklin especially, if he does that, he'll lose. He's got to be aggressive. He's got to be front foot. He's got to push him back and he's got to let his hands go like he did against Hellenius eventually. So I fancy AJ. I want AJ to win, of course. I want AJ Wilder. I want him to do it. Yeah. The good thing is if he tries to box like he boxed with Usyk, he'll lose. Do you think? he goes in there to finish him, I think he can finish Wallen. Do you think there's no way that Anthony Joshua loses the decision in this fight? Well, yeah, of course, yeah. Absolutely none whatsoever. Even if we all sit here and go, ah, Seven five eight four Wallen, no chance. Anthony Joshua loses the decision. True, yeah, yeah, of course. After 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 seeing Tyson Fury come through against Francis Ngannou, come on, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Wallen does need a knockout, and maybe that's the challenge. Maybe that's maybe that's you know that's why he's taking this fight, knowing full well that Wallen's got to knock him out. Wallen's gonna to have to take a chance. And if you take a chance against AJ and he nails you, you're going. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, we all want the old AJ, man. Of course. Give me the old AJ. Give me the old AJ and win, lose, or draw. You accept that. 
Um, this is so- a tougher. This is a Wallen's a tougher fight for AJ than Parker is for Wilder. That's for sure. Oh, that's it. I like that. Do you think? I think so. Yeah. You see, I look at the Deontay Wilder Josie Parker fight, and it reminds me very, very much of uh, the big Luis Ortiz fight that Deontay Wilder. Uh, came through and came through in absolutely flying colours, didn't he? But if you remember, he was comprehensively outboxed for a large percentage of that fight because the other guys got quicker hands than him and better feet. Mm-hmm. And I think that Josie Parker, with all due respect to Deontay Wilder, even though I absolutely love watching him because he's so exciting, I think Josie Parker does have quicker hands. I think he does have better feet. Yes, he's smaller. Yes, he's lighter. But he's a, he's a clever lad. He knows what he's doing. He's got a great corner. With mm-hmm. Andy Lee. Andy Lee's been in this situation before, of course, as part of Tyson Fury's camp. They will know exactly how to take away the right hand because that's what you're looking out for. But don't underestimate Wilder he, uh, when it comes to the technicalities of what he's doing. He does set yeah. stuff up. He's not just winging away. He's, he's not like a clown. He knows what he's doing. He sets it up and he and he does eventually walk people onto stuff. If he can walk Luis Ortiz, who's a very technical boxer, onto and detonate like he detonated against him, he can do it against Joseph Parker. Mate, listen, I think the majority of us would say that Wilder's going to come through that, but I would not be surprised if we're sat here at a halfway stage going, Joseph Parker's having a world of year, man. He's boxing his bloody head off. Beautiful yeah. work, Joseph. Stay out the way, son. You've just got another six to go. He's just doing that. You've got to be perfect for the whole 36 minutes. Yeah, I think there's. you're right. There's two ways to beat Deontay Wilder, and that's stepping to him and bullying him, just the way Tyson Fury did, and taking away his heart. But as we've seen in the third fight, man, oh. he's got a massive, massive heart, Deontay Wilder. Unfortunately, coming up against Tyson Fury, who's probably got the biggest heart in the division. I don't know whether Joseph Parker's got those kind of stones to go. And I don't think Joseph Parker sits on his shots to hit hard enough mm. to, to drop Wilder multiple times and be able to take his soul away. The other way to beat Deontay Wilder, of course, is as you've just said, it's 36 minutes of punch-perfect boxing, not dropping your guards, not getting hit and not allowing him to detonate on your chin. I don't know whether Joseph is technically good enough to be able to do it for 36 minutes. You're right. Don't be surprised if Parker's ahead. Uh, you know, Parker's probably 4-2 up or something like that going into the seventh round. But Wilder just needs one. And that one can come in the first round. It can come in the twelfth round. I wouldn't be surprised if Parker was out inside three minutes. But I wouldn't be surprised if Parker was still there going into the 12th, only to get chinned again. I don't see how Joe gets to the judges here. And you're right. Even if he does get to the judges, is it possible for Joe Parker to win? We don't know. It's the early days of the Saudi of the Saudi parties. But what we do know is decisions go the way of the big money fighters. Just have they have done forever. So I think Parker needs a finish. I think Wallen needs a finish. And I don't think either of them are probably capable of it. Mm. Um, shall we stick with heavyweights or do you want to go into a world title? Heavyweights? Yeah, stick with the heavyweights, yeah. All right. Sorry, okay. as usual, that was just it, my dad trying to give me a ring. It is Tuesday, though. You've got to let him off. Normally, he's been told that he can't ring you on Monday. True. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dubois Miller, I have to talk about it. I know you don't want to talk about Miller, but Dubois Miller. Um, I think this is a big risky fight for Daniel Dubois. I really do, mate. I know that we hate saying it because of obviously all the things that uh, Jarrell Miller has done. Um, he lands himself in this uh, position. He's an incredible fucking hell. He's so fortunate to be in this position. God knows how he's managed to find himself in this position with people obviously allowing him 
to work on their cards, but he's here. He's working on their cards. Uh, he's obviously going uh, over time when it comes to the selling of uh, of this card. He was the uh, the the loudest, let's just say, at the at the first press conference. As I said right at the start of the show, he's absolutely running the mock in the fighter hotel at the moment. He's calling everybody out, giving them all shit, and I've no doubt he will be uh, raising. Uh, the pay-per-view attention when it comes uh, to whatever you're purchasing this at the weekend. The thing is... Uh, is I, I doubt that. I don't think anyone in the right mind's buying a pay-per-view to watch Jarrell, Big Juicy Miller. But what in- he is doing is he's he's creating narratives with enough other people to get a second payday with the Saudis. So the Saudis go, oh, that guy's good. He's entertaining, that big fucking freak. Uh, that's what he's doing. He, he, no one's buying a pay-per-view to watch this prick. Well, maybe the art to see how to get him knocked out, flatten him. Maybe that's go, the case. But but all this talking he's doing, all this chaos he's causing, he's just trying to create you know viral memes. So Joshua or Wild or anyone, but that uh, translates to pay per view buys, doesn't it? That translates Not, to because no, if you if you if you if you take umbrage to him, right? So you look at him and you go, look at this prick, fucking giving it all, putting it on Joshua. Look at this prick, putting it on the on Dubois. Who is this guy? I want, I need to see this guy get flattened. The only way you can watch it is by buying a pay-per-view. Oh, Daniel flattens him, man. Buries him right through the canvas. I don't think he will. I, I think, think he will. Mate, I think at 300 pounds of weight, I think Miller can take it. And we've seen... There's, listen, there's massive questions over Daniel Dubois about how, we, bad, how badly he wants it. Yeah. You know, when it got put on it, when Joe, uh, Joyce put it on him and you and... And, and Daniel couldn't get him out of there. What happened? He wilted. Yeah. Usyk, he wilted. This is a huge night for Daniel Dubois. Huge. Yeah. This is, this is make, I know he's only young, but he's forever going to be defined by, he needs to get over the hurdle of going through the fire. When he gets, when he, he listen, he's, he's, he's a brilliant punch uh, artist. He's, he's technically good. He sets stuff up. He's an athlete, of course. But who is he? Who has he absolutely gone toe to toe with? Gone into a firefight with and come out the other side winning? He's going to be asked questions. Miller's not going to give a fuck about him. Miller doesn't give a fuck about him, and he's going to go and he's just going to walk through. And if he can walk through, what does Dubois do then? What does he do? Is he willing to bite down and go? Do you know something? Fuck it, we're all in. He needs to get over that hurdle. And this at the weekend, you're going to find out if he can get over that hurdle. Yeah, uh, I think the forever Daniel was, you know, we we talked about him being the future of the heavyweight division. It's like, listen, when the smoke clears, when Tyson's gone and AJ's gone and Wilder's gone, Daniel's the guy who can come and clean up. But these are the type of risky fights, like the Joe Joyce fight. But I understand why that happened at the time. They were trying to use Joyce's name to springboard Daniel Dubois, but it was too much too soon. But that's not a problem because he's so young. Yeah. Then he went against, against Usyk and he's showing similar lack of predatory instincts against Usyk when he had a moment to potentially capitalize and he stayed on the back foot and ultimately he paid the price for it. If he loses here against someone, everybody hates the ultimate heel in Jarrell Miller. And especially because if he does lose, it's probably going to be Miller stopping him. Because again, I don't think Daniel loses on points, but mm-hmm. that's going to be a massive setback. And then you start looking at the division and start going, well, okay, well, when this generation of heavyweights are gone and Daniel Dubois is still there, but maybe he's got four or five losses on his record now and he's still swallowed it a couple of times and there's questions about it. Will the likes of Jalilov or, or Sanchez 
or Mahmoudov? Will any of these guys even respect Daniel Dubois? Or is there quite clearly a game plan? Because Jarrell Miller, scumbag that he is, he will look at this fight and go, I run through this kid. Mm. I'm going to get in this ring. I'm going to go right, I'm going to right through him because I'm a big hard case for New York scumbag. I don't care. I don't care that everyone hates me. That's sound. Hate me as much as you want, but I'm going to run through him because I'm on. He's Jarrell Miller's probably got getting the smallest payday out of all the heavyweights on this card. Agreed. Because he just needs the opportunity, but he'll be thinking, I caused enough murder all week, and then I run through this kid who I've seen swallow it twice. I'll run through him. And then I'll get me millions of dollars. Yep. And that's all we'll be thinking about. Daniel Dubois is a lot more of a sportsman. That's why I think that Daniel looks at this as a sport. Yeah. I don't think Daniel was born to be a fighter. He's, he's talented, an athlete. Don't get me wrong. He's he is he's an absolutely an athlete, and very much in the same way for Vanty Joshua. Daniel Dubois is a natural athlete who has been taught to fight. Jarrell Miller's. A fucking punk off the streets. He's a fighter trying to be an athlete. And that's the difference. And when the going gets tough, more often than not, it's the fighter that comes through. Yeah. So I just hope it doesn't get tough. I hope Daniel stands him on his head, picks him apart, and flattens this big fat loser. And we never hear of Jarrell Miller again. But unfortunately, you know, I think Jarrell Miller's just gonna go in there and throw our souls and elbows. And if it gets to the point where he has to gut it out. Daniel's going to find himself in an awful lot of trouble again. Mm. Uh, the other heavyweights that are on this, Mahmoudov against Kabayel. Kabayel's been on that European scene for a long period of time and he's been floating around the, the rankings in the heavyweight division. His name keeps coming up. Oh, he's, a, he's an opponent for this guy. He's an opponent for this guy. And I'm like going, I've watched him a few times and I don't know what he's all about, really. Mahmoudov, I'm completely the opposite. This dude yeah, is a fucking animal. He's got this weird... Well, he's got this like movie star look about him, hasn't he? You know what I mean? Like when bad you, guy. yeah, do you know when you make a bad, like a movie star bad dude and you draw oh, it out or so, yeah, you're designing him? Makhmadov's your dude, mate, right? Yeah. Small head, fat neck, big shoulders, like that, going, come on, then, motherfuckers, let's have it. And he's just relentless. Um, I think he is a part of what you were just saying that the future of this heavyweight division. I think this is a real opportunity for him to do something spectacular against Carbayel, especially when you've got the big names that we've been speaking about that are on this card. Um, yeah. I, I, listen, I think Frank Sanchez is too good for Junior Farr. No disrespect yeah. to Junior Farr. Uh, and if Hergovic gets beat off, uh, Mark Demore doesn't deserve his spot with the IBF. Let's be dead straight about it. It's an absolute gimme. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Mike Madoff, though, against Carbayel because I've got loads of questions about Carbayel. I don't, yeah, me too. Everybody's chatting about you, so let's see what you're all about, Sunshine. Don't get this is your chance. Let's go. I've got I've got no issue with the Mahmoudov Kabiel fight. Got no yeah, issue same. with the Sanchez versus Junior Far fight either. I think Junior Far, even though he's got a couple of losses on his record, you know he was outstanding amateur before he came to the pros, and sometimes you can just get caught and whatever else. But I think those two are outstanding fights. I think the disappointing fight out of them all. To be honest with you, okay, we'll come back to Bivol and and, and Jayapatai in a second. But out of all the heavyweight fights. Aside from it feels like a little bit of a semi-final at the top, they're all so, they're all solid heavyweights, man. And they're all there, hopefully, Daniel Dubois to, to rubber stamp and get big performances. The one that the only one who's got a complete layup is Philip Hegovic. Yeah. Egovic has been handed the ultimate layup in Mark Damori, who genuinely I thought retired after David A. flattened him about a decade ago. But apparently he hasn't. Apparently he's still around and somehow he's only lost two in his career. 
But that's all about the level he's been fighting at. Hergovic, will, Hergovic absolutely should get rid of him and get rid of him in style. Kabiel's a bit of an unknown because he wasn't this outstanding amateur for Germany. He has built up this 15, 15, no, 23. Fucking unfortunately, he's only 15 fights. 23 and 0 record, but he has hardly been outside of Germany. Yeah. You know, he's a little bit of an enigma. Whereas Makhmadov, you know, we've known he was an outstanding amateur for years. He was a bloody mainstay in the World Series of Boxing. So he's already basically been a pro before he turned pro. Since he's turned pro, based over in Canada, I think he's 18 fights in, 18 wins with 17 knockouts. Makhmadov is a genuine monster and arguably genuinely the future of this division. So I'm super excited for that, that fight. Hopefully that's a semi-final as well. The Makhmadov, Kabiel, Frank Sanchez, Junior Far. I'd like to see, you know, if Joshua does go on to fight Wilder in the spring or in the early summer, I'd like to see Makhmadov fight Sanchez or far, you know, depending on how that kind of pans out as well. So, yeah, they're all interesting fights, honestly, really interesting. Hmm. The heavyweight division is on notice this weekend, and it's going to be fun, man. There's going to be some big, there's, oh, going, to yeah. be a couple of, there's going to be a couple of big knockouts. And I tell you now, there's going to be at least one, maybe two massive upsets as well. Wait, go on upsets. Then. Where's your upset? Are you talking just heavyweights now? Yeah, it's, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely <laughs> out of the heavyweights. Yeah, go on then. Um, Give me I just would... one, just one, one upset. I don't want to say it. We're saying all right it. then. Don't say it. We're thinking the same thing. That's yeah, the one. I don't want to say it because I just don't want to say it. I'll be, in, right. I'll be, I'll be devastated if he wins. Devastated because he's got no business being in a boxing ring. But I fear that's where it, that's where the upset comes. Yeah, I hope I'm wrong. Out of them all, that's the one. Um, then you've got Lyndon Arthur, who's getting an opportunity against uh, Dimitri Bivol. Listen, delighted for Lyndon. He served, you know, he serves his time. He works himself hard. But let's be straight: should he be getting an opportunity against Dimitri Bivol when we've got some other fights out there that uh, we would like Dimitri Bivol to be uh, to be taking? Whilst Bivol is waiting, and we hope that he is just waiting for the winner of Smith versus Peturbiev. Um, then I'm okay with this. Go on then, have your, have your little knock and then hopefully by the summer of next year, you are back in the ring taking on the winner of Baturbiev versus Smith, which by the way, is not a foregone conclusion, no matter what anybody tells you. If anybody say, oh, Baturbiev is going to walk through Smith, nah, hang on. That's a proper fight, and I cannot wait to see that in January. It's a real fight. Um, well, Lyndon Arthur just needs to come away and, 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 and focus on what Craig Richards done, you know, no, that Bivol... though, no, no, but I'm just thinking if Bivol is because Bivol's all in on Batabia versus Smith, or you know, potentially a second fight with Canelo. So he, he you know, this won't be vintage grade A Dimitri Bivol. This will be Bivol turning up, defending his belt against the guy that he should be comfortable defending his belt against. Again, I think Lyndon Arthur's style probably suggests that it. It will play into Bivol's hands a little bit, but Lyndon Arthur can change his life, man. He can mm. absolutely change his life and become like again. He, he won't be on the biggest payday on this card. Hopefully, he's getting more than Jarrell Miller. But you beat the military Bivol, you're going to be a multi-millionaire. That's yeah. the that's that's what's at stake for Lyndon Arthur. He's just got to go for it. Likewise, Ellis Zorro, I suppose. Yeah, the main major talking point for me around that fight is that Jared Pataya is a fight disciple. Fair play, son. With that fucking belt in the bin, like we said a couple of weeks ago, when all this started piping up with the IBF saying that they wouldn't sanction this fight, and therefore you have to fight Maris Bredis, 
And if uh, you did go ahead with this fight, they would take the belt off you and Bredis would be fighting for a vacant championship. Sound, man. No, we don't We don't need to know because we already do know. You're beating Bredis, you're beating well. You're the Ring Magazine belt number one holder. You are the guy in this weight division. Go and get weighed in. Yeah. Go and get paid. You ain't going to get... Correct. This is this is a big payday for you. Go and do it and go and showcase your skills on a card where the eyes of the world are going to be watching. Because with all due respect, Jai Opataya, we know, the hardcore, the people that listen to this show that are here every single week, they know Jai Opataya is the guy in the division. Correct. Do the casual fan, do the general sports fan know who Jai Opataya is? The majority, I would say, no. Listen, massive down under, no doubt about that, around his own, own people. But what about worldwide? This is a chance for him to go and show the savage that he is, and he will. He absolutely will. I feel for Ellis Zorro. Well, you've got an opportunity. You two are on a big card there. I'm no doubt mm-hmm. you're getting a big payday. And at the mm-hmm. end of the day, what are you in the game for? You're in the game to fight the very best dudes. You're fighting the very best dude at the weekend. Roll the dice, son. Go and have a go. The thing is, I think you're going to find out what that level is very, very quickly because Jai Opatire is absolutely no joke. The one thing I just want to flag up on this, though, Right, with him, Jayapataya having the opportunity of th- what I say, taking the attitude of throwing the belt in the bin and saying "fuck you," you don't, you don't dictate to me what goes on with my career. I'm going to do what I do with my career. One going forward, and I'm pretty confident that he will be doing this anyway from a Jayapataya point of view, given that I've spoken to him in the past. He will want the very biggest and best fights, the Billum Smiths of this world and the other world champions even if that eventually becomes a Richard Reactor or whatever it may be, right? He will want those fights. I'm confident in that. Other promoters now have the excuse of saying, well, what does he bring to the table? He's not a world champion. He's not this. Fuck off. Every single one of us knows that Jai Pattaya is the guy in this division, right? So do not be telling me that, oh, well, we're not going to do Jai Pattaya because he's not world champion anymore. So what's in it for our guy? It's not unification. Nah, well, man. He, Fuck off. He's the guy. Make the fight. He's still, he's still got the ring magazine belt. So as far as I'm concerned, that, that means more than any of the other belts because yeah. that's that's the one that doesn't come with a sanction. But you can see it coming, can't you? You can see it coming from other promoters going, well, what's the point in well, doing that? The good, the good thing is a lot of the big, biggest promoters in the world are involved in this card mm. and hopefully they can see what it is. So, mm. so yeah, hopefully that is. But on case. that. But regardless, well regardless, regardless of what Cruiseway fight gets made in 2024, Nobody can say this is the guy. This is the no, the fucking guy's over there, mate. We know who he is. His name's yeah. Jayop Pataya. So it doesn't yeah. matter what belt you've got, he's the world number one. One thing Until I will say the man, he's the man. One thing I will say, um having spent a bit of time with him and, and watched him operate, Billum Smith would do it. Irrelevant about oh, 100%. because because Billum Smith is the type of dude that go, Well, I want to know who the fucking guy is. Yeah. So I'd back Chris Billum Smith to try and make a Jayop Pataya fight. Yeah. All in on that as well. All in on that. Um, mate, hey, 23rd of December. You're going to be watching. Just get excited, kids. This is an early Christmas present of Uncle Turkey, Santa Turkey. <laughs> Cannot wait. If, if he cut, mate, he's not going to. But imagine if he came rocking out in a Santa costume, <laughs> dishing out the presents. <laughs> Send a rolling my way, Uncle Turkey. There Let's go. go. There you Let's go. go. There you go. Can't uh, wait. Listen. What a month December's been. Week after week, with the boxing has delivered some of the biggest fights of the year. Um, and it finished it. It's not, I, I keep saying it's finishing. It's not finishing because uh, Inoue and Tapales are fighting on, on, on Boxing Day. Don't forget that. In fact, we'll do that now. 
because that in itself is a, a sensational fight. Big unification. Topala's last time out was tr really tremendous. Uh, Staff had a couple of those belts. Inoue's already done it in uh, big unifications in multiple weight divisions, and now he gets an opportunity to uh, get uh, to the level. I'm not going to say uh, exceed, but get to the level of a Terence Crawford to become a two-time, two-way, undisputed champion. This is what we want. This is what we want. This is what we've been dreaming of for seven, eight years since we started this podcast, getting to this level where these guys are delivering time after time. And Inoue is absolutely one of those guys. And on Boxing Day, um, you get to watch him do his thing. Listen, Topolis is good. He is good. Great. Yeah. But we're, but we're talking about Inoue, mate. We're talking about Inoue, who's technically outstanding. And the way that he times and throws those shots is just something sensational. I am obviously favouring uh, Inoue, Inoue victory. But I think he'll be asked a couple of questions early. I think Topalis will yeah. just go, do you know something? Fuck it, man. <laughs> Let's go. Let's see what happens. And you never know. You never know. We saw uh, Nanita Dene push uh, Noya all the way when they're unified. So let's see what happens, eh? Yeah, Topalez, you know, he's coming off the best performance of his career, arguably, when he beat uh, MJ, who we talked about at the top of the show, uh, to pick up a couple of these belts. Um, the problem with Topalez, even though he's got 37 wins against just three defeats, is less than half of those wins are by knockout. And when you can't bang yeah. and you're going in against someone like Inoue, who's just yeah. a naturally gifted, heavy-handed, utter monster, hence the nickname, 22 knockouts and 25 wins in any weight division would be impressive. To do that in the flyweight, bantamweight kind of sphere oh. is more or less unheard of. And that just shows you the frightening power that a new A has got. It will be a reminder of who he is, where he ranks in the pound for pound list. I think we haven't seen after Usyk's flat performance against Daniel Dubois, um, after Terence Crawford's outstanding performance against Errol Spence, I think most people have reshuffled their top yeah. three on the pound for pound list. And Inoue is probably in second spot now, like he is on my list. I've got Crawford, Inoue, Usyk at the top of the tree. This is Inoue's chance on Boxing Day when I'm full of snowballs and Christmas cheer just to remind me of how good he actually is. And who could, listen, come the 27th, I might have him back at the top of the tree again. That's how good he is. And that's how big this fight is. Listen, it's a big unification fight. I love the fact that it's happening on Boxing Day. You know, this is what Japan was famous for generations, has been famous putting on big fights over the uh, over the holiday period. Um, Boxing Day and New Year's Eve, especially New Year's Eve, there used to be a massive fight at the right. Saitama yeah. Super Arena every single year. The Japanese love big fights around the holiday season and they're getting... The biggest star they've had in generations in a new and a new way, uh, daring to be great once more. So yeah, absolutely cannot wait for this. It um, is this a top rank? Is he still with top rank? I'm guessing it's a top rank show. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember the Japanese promoter that he, he works with. Yeah, it's oh, their Hashi. Oh, Hashi Promotions. It's, it's their the, promotion. It, yeah, it's, it's not a top rank. rank. The fact that it's on ESPN Plus in the US means me think it's still a top rank co-pro which hopefully means with Sky Top Rank having a deal with Sky, that it's going to be on Sky Sports. I think it's Sky Sports in the early hours of the morning, oh, yeah. Eh? Get up there. Should be good. Should be good. Yeah. Uh, listen, that, with all that said and done, 
that's us for 2023. We will be back in the new year to obviously review what you've just witnessed throughout the last 12 months. Um, so if you think we're coming back on Boxing Day pissed as fuck after watching all that to review it all for you, you've no chance. Absolutely no <laughs> chance whatsoever, man. I'll be playing on uh, whatever my kids get off off Santa. That's what I'll be playing. And eating copious amounts of chocolate. Uh, and I'm sure my man's going to be doing the same thing, maybe swapping the chocolate for the cheese. That's what we're mm-hmm. going to be doing, all right? Correct. Uh, but for from our point of view, thank you so much for listening to us throughout the whole course of the last 12 months. Uh, we wish you and your loved ones all the best over the holiday season, wherever you decide to listen to us from. Uh, thank you for your love and support and all kind words. And even some of your not so kind words. You know what I mean? Yeah. Those not so kind words always do. If they come with good intention, then they obviously aim to make us better at what we do. And hopefully we've provided uh, what you've wanted out of us over the last 12 months. And onwards we go into 2024. Bigger, better, stronger, faster. All those types of things. Uh, and we hope uh, that uh, the Fight Disciples family keeps on growing and growing. Thank you very much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.